Welcome to Arise Life, a community of believers being equipped, empowered, and released into their destiny. For more information, go to arisealife.org or follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. All right. Oh, wow. I have waited for this moment for like five years. Huh? Oh, the board. Yes, I've been bored before. Uh, Could I get some help? Awesome. I meant psychologically, but that works too. Awesome. Awesome. Okay. So here's, here's the deal. I have waited for this moment because I, I've said this before. We have an exorbitant number of businesses in our body, and I don't think that's accidental because business, believe it or not, is one of the biggest ways that God expands the kingdom, but it's not always been understood that way. So I want to take you through scripture and show you what I'm talking about. Anybody got Bibles? Three of us. Awesome. Awesome. Anybody Korans? Bhagavad Gita? No? All right. I don't know. Just checking. I don't know. If you, if you, if you brought one of those and you came here, we'll take you. It's okay. Jesus loves you. All right. So here's the deal. The, this book is written by some 40 different authors. There's 66 books written over the course of about 2,000 years, but it has a single message. And it starts in one way and ends in one way. It starts in a garden and it ends in a garden in the book of Revelation. And let me show you because sometimes anybody here lose the, the message in the midst of the weeds in your own life, right? You're like, I had a purpose. What was it? I don't remember. And that happens oftentimes in scripture, but the purpose has never changed from the first page to the last page. So if you got Bibles, open it up to Genesis chapter one. It's right there at the very front, 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 fronty front. Chapter one, verse 27. So he, God has built all the heavens and the earth. He's built, he's filled the earth with animals, but he keeps, he keeps accelerating his, his magnificent and his, the crown of his creation is he creates humanity. He created humanity, mankind in whose image? Who does, who, do, who is humanity supposed to look like? Okay. In the image of God, he created them. Why did he repeat himself? <laughs> because we weren't listening the first time. Anytime God repeats himself, it's usually because we're missing the point. This is, this is so important. But in, when he did that, male and female, he created them. Anybody notice that male and female are slightly different? There's still time. You can figure it out. I, I mean, you know, I, I always love it when people are like, I am marrying my best friend. She's like a female version of me. No, no. Not even close. <laughs> I so the thing is, is that difference though, both are equally created in his image to do what? To bring his rule and reign on the earth. Watch this. Verse 28. Theoretically. There it is. God blessed them. What does bless mean? It means he poured out his love and his power to do what he has for them to do. And he said he and he liked them. And said to them, be what? Fruitful and Increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it, rule over the fish of the sea. I don't know if that's like an Aquaman thing. I've never quite figured that one out. And the birds of the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Okay, so let me let me give you a picture. God took humanity and put them in the middle of a garden. I'm just going to, they're not wearing clothes, so. 
they look the same. Anyway, we're not doing anatomically correct. So there they are. They're in the middle of a garden. But what is their goal? Their goal is to do what? Expand the garden. Why? Because they were born, they were placed in the middle of a planet full of chaos. Because there was somebody here already. Anybody know who that was? The enemy. Right. So they're in the middle of a world. God put them in the middle of a world of darkness. But he put them in the middle of a garden that looked like heaven. It says that the Eden means uh, pleasure. He put them in this incredible place. And their goal was to take what God had given and fill the earth so that all the earth would be filled with what? The knowledge of him. The glory of God. Right? And that was their mission. And they got distracted. How did they get distracted? From the very first, what, what did, what did uh, the devil say to Eve? He said, if you eat of this fruit, you will become like God. Was she already like God? Say it again and again. God, can, the devil can only sell you what you already have in him. So, so here's the deal. So what does he do? So he gave them a mission. The first thing was to be fruitful. Now, how does a tree produce fruit? It sits there. Natural. Soaks up the sun. I heard dirt. It abides in the dirt. It doesn't move around. Anybody move a plant multiple times? What happens to it? Yeah. Um, I, I don't know about you, but I've had some seasons in my life where I moved uh, my relationships. I got offended and I moved to another group of relations. And, and every time I started over. Anybody? So, so, so be fruitful means to abide in the soil, put down roots. What's the second? P- and, and soak in the sun, right? Drink in his goodness. Drink in the water he provides. Drink all that in and then do what? Is there any effort? Have you ever seen a tree grunting? Please don't. don't. <laughs> if your trees grunt, that's a whole nother issue. No. So automatically, if you abide in the soil, you abide in his love. Guess what you bear? Fruit. Fruit. And you are fruitful. What is a fruit? I mean, apart from the person sitting next to you. What is a fruit? Something you eat. It's tasty. It's sweet. Nutrition. It produces more seed. In an apple, there are what? More apple trees. So when God puts, produces something in your life, it automatically does what? The next thing, increase in number. If you don't eat your seed. Anybody? Grain comes up. You can either plant it and get more grain or you can eat it. What happens in the middle of a famine? You have to choose either go hungry and live for a future harvest or eat your seed. And that's what's happening is he says, I've given you fruit, but not just fruit so you can have tasty, tasty treats nonstop, but so that you can increase in number. God gives an an increase. He gives, allows them to be fruitful so they are fed. Your needs matter to God. Anybody here have a sneaking suspicion that your needs don't matter to God or, okay, let me spiritualize it for you. This is how I've done it. My needs matter to God, but my needs are oxygen and about 200 calories a day. I can survive on that. I might look like Gandhi, 
but I could survive. And that might be an improvement. I don't know. But the thing is, is God cares about your needs more than you do. He wants you to be fruitful so you have your needs supplied, but so that you have seed to increase. So there's this increase. What happens if all the, the garden is full of trees? Where are you going to plant more trees? You're going to expand the garden. You're going to expand the garden. And that has always, our increase is not for our sake, but to expand the garden, to fill the earth. That was always God's goal. Why would God put us on a planet with an adversary who hates us? That is just rude. That is just... God, God gives us the ability. God, if you are put into a battle, it's because you have been empowered by God to win. If you are in a battle... Okay, where are my people? You know my people, my people. You get into a battle and you're standing next to me going, God, why do you hate me? Anybody? No, no? Like everything was going great and uh. You know, I, I, I've told so many different stories, but it's happened time and time again where I'll be in a situation and all I want to do is buy my stuff like at the convenience store, just buy my stuff. I'm running late. I'm behind. I just need milk. I'm willing to pay $17 for it. Give me my milk. <laughs> and then the homeless guy walks in or the druggie who's making a mess and a machine. I'm like, oh, Jesus, why? Jesus is like, where else am I going to send him? If we have been placed in a battle, it's because we are empowered to be victorious. So he has given us, because that word, what does that word subdue? Now that subdue is not subdue each other. Anybody had somebody try to subdue you? <laughs> subdue, I'm submit already. No, it's subdue the chaos, the brokenness, the hurt, the broken relationships. It's subdue hell. It's subdue hell. And that's our goal. Our goal is to fill the earth and drive out every mark of the enemy from this planet. That's always been our mission. And you know how I know that? Because the end of the book says this. Revelations eleven fifteen says what? It says, this is what was declared with the seventh angel. The kingdom of the world has become what? The kingdom of our Lord and of his Messiah. And he will reign forever and ever. Listen, I'm about to haul up and hit something, so, so cover yourself. Um, but I want you to know, God is not coming back on a rescue mission. God is not coming back for a bride. He's the one who came up with the idea of equally yoked. A bride in equal proportion to her groom. Guess what our dowry is? The very planet he paid for. That we return to him. I'll say it again. He's not on a rescue mission. But over and over again, this lie that he's on a rescue mission, that he's going to come back and deliver us from this bad, bad world. <laughs> has caused humans to check out of culture. 
I'm going to give you an example. The Jesus People Movement was an amazing move in 1970, 74. In a space of that time, 4 million youth came into the kingdom. But they also were sold a lie about the rapture and the late great planet Earth. Thank you, Hal Lindsey. And the lie was, it's bad and it's getting worse. So guess what they didn't do? They didn't get married. They didn't have kids. If they had kids, it was accidental. <laughs> How does that work out? <laughs> and this is what they didn't do. Many of them didn't get jobs. And many of them it definitely didn't start businesses. And what happened is 10 years rolled by. And 10 years later, they woke up and went, the world's still here. It wasn't supposed to be. I ate my seed and now I'm broke. Time and time again throughout history, this lie has grabbed the church and the church has checked out culture and abdicated authority for our culture. Let me, you want to know why our culture is where it is today? Because we've abdicated our authority. You can yell and scream, ah, the media, the media. Well, you raise your voice. You speak. Oh my goodness, all these businesses are doing horrible things. So then you build a business that takes back that authority. The employers are abusing their workers. So you build a business that raises up the workers. These businesses are abusing women. Well, okay then. What are you going to do about it? We were never, complaining is not a spiritual gift. Oh, it actually it is, but of a different kingdom. I don't feel strongly about this. Huh? Abortion was passed during this time, 1970. Because, or 72, whatever the years was, 70, it was all in this period this movement happened because the church abandoned its authority. Now listen, let me tell you this. Listen, I, I can't say it enough. If you have had an abortion, you know the pain in your own heart. You don't need shame or blame or condemnation from anybody else. There is healing and restoration for you. Please know that. The only reason most people will not own the pain they have in their heart about an abortion is because all they're expecting is more pain from the church. More condemnation more shame. And the final piece, they don't believe healing and forgiveness and restoration is possible. But in him, all things are possible. Let me say this. If you've carried that pain in your heart up to this point, today is the day of your salvation. Today is the day of your healing. I, I said this before. I grew up in a town where the rejects of the, of the Jesus people movement went to, I don't know what, figure life out. And I saw this over and over again. I met a guy uh, we'll call him partly cloudy. Um, because every time I saw him, uh, he was a big guy, kind of like Bruce. And uh, if you know Bruce, and a uh, big guy. And he would come up and he had a beard and glasses. And, and I'd say, how you doing? He'd go, uh, fair to partly cloudy. He had been fair to partly cloudy at that point for 27 years. In 1970, God told him that this girl was going to marry him. So he went to her and said, God says you're going to marry him. And she said, you have issues. And that was the word of the Lord. <laughs> he was still waiting. She'll come to her senses and leave the man of her dreams. 
The voice of the enemy creates passivity, powerlessness. This, this, the voice of the Spirit brings life and abundance and vision and direction and the courage to do scary things. So what I want to say to this is over and over again, this lie got into the church somewhere along the line that money is evil. Anybody? Anybody? Uh, ungodly mammon. Well, nobody even knows what mammon is, but you know. <laughs> is that like mammarine? What? I don't know. Anyway, mammon. Uh, so it's this whole thing. It comes out of this verse where it says, the love of money is the root of all evil. Money is a tool. Do you know God made man and woman for each other? Anybody been with a man or a woman and found it was not God's good, best for you? <laughs> that doesn't mean men and women coming together is not a good idea. You can use relationships for evil. Anybody done it? Okay. The same with money. Money can so own your soul just like a relationship can own your soul. But it is a tool to be used for the expansion of the kingdom. Why? Because money is seed. It is seed. Anybody here ate your seed? We've done that. We've gotten to the end of a season. Where we're like, Jesus, we just want to praise Jesus. We haven't died. We have nothing for tomorrow, but we haven't died. We're here. We have no seed. We have no vision. We have no future, but we haven't died. Praise you, Jesus. That is not the promise of the kingdom. The promise of the kingdom. So here's the deal. I would submit to you the kingdoms of this world that become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ. That offering reading we did was about that. Where, what kingdom are you called to take? I can tell you it's the one that keeps you up at night, the one that makes you twitch, the one that makes you mad, the one that makes you weep. Makes you, you know what I'm talking about? You're like, somebody ought to do something. I'm, I'm, say that again. Who? Nobody's good. Anybody here tried to get other people to care about what you care about, but nobody cares about it because you're supposed to care about it? <laughs> if somebody would just care. Well, maybe you're the one who's supposed to care. Maybe you're the one who God wants to give a download, a vision, a passion of how to engage that. And one of the ways he does that, one of the biggest ways he does is business. Uh, oh, anybody here? This is your life first. Oh, Lord. Do not give me so much that I forget you or so little that I curse you. Oh, it's so lovely. You know who you are. I would submit to you, God doesn't want to test you above what you're able to endure, but he's looking for people that he could trust a billion dollars to because they would release a billion dollars of goodness in the world. Who's he going to give it? I, this is the, I've said this before, but I had this encounter with God at one point, and I felt like God said, Peter, because I was complaining about money. Anybody? You know my people. Anyway, and I was like, ah, 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 and he goes, Peter, Peter, money is not the problem. I'm looking for a believer I can trust with a billion dollars, but I haven't found one that it won't kill him. I want him to up my stress capacity. Yes, Lord, I am willing. Here I am, Lord. Right? No, but the reality is God won't test you above what you're able to endure, but how about we endure a little more so we can get a little more? So that we can bless the world. Not so we can go. 
whatever was in your straw. I don't know what was in your straw. <laughs> I don't know. Everybody, you know what? Everybody's got something in their straw. You know what I'm talking about? But God doesn't give you the good so you can blow them on yourself, but so that you can build his kingdom. <laughs> so what I want to say with this is, you're like, well, Peter, is that really scriptural? Who is the father of our faith? Abraham. Abraham was a man. He was a businessman. He had a very large business. He had, at one point, it said 600 men working for him. That's a good business. Any business owners, you'd like 600 people? Wow, that's a big business. They list out his camels and his goats and donkeys. and It's a lot. He's wealthy. But guess what? Remember we said about to the children's children, the wealth? His son's more wealthy, more wealthy. And it said in this one passage in Genesis chapter, I think I've got it there. I think I do. I Maybe I don't. I sometimes make these things up. Anyway, it talks about Isaac in the midst of a famine ate his seed. In the midst of lack, in the midst of we're all going to die, in the midst of there's no rain, he planted his seed in the ground. Why? To make more. And it said he reaped a hundredfold. And I've said this before. That is actually the, the natural limit for a, for a growth in that part of the world. That's literally the maximum yield you can get from grain is a hundredfold. He got the maximum yield in the worst season. But do you know if you get the maximum yield in the worst season and nobody else planted seed? Business people? <laughs> I can see the, ding, 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 the opportunity going, yes, yes, yes. I have some grain. Would you like to buy some? Oh, nobody else has grain, right? So the reality is he planted crops in that land and reaped. And then it goes on, verse 13. And he became and therefore sinned. See, wealth is the blessing of God if you steward it right and you walk with him for his purposes. And he had so many flocks and herds and servants that who envied him? The Philistines, the most powerful people. I would submit to you, I don't see anybody in this world envying the church. I'm sorry, in the area of business. That's messed up. Be, and I would submit, part of the reason is because we are not called to do business the way the world does business. For too long, Christian business has meant Doing business the world's way, but morally, therefore, without teeth. You are a wolf, but you have no teeth. <laughs> and how is it going to go down in a wolf fight when you have no teeth? <laughs> We're not called to do things the way the world does them. Why? Because our partner in our business is who? God. Okay, I submit to you. Imagine this, uh, Jill, today. Uh, Warren Buffett comes alongside and wants to be 49% investor in your firm. How are you feeling about that? You're feeling good. But here's the deal. Warren Buffett brings something way more than finance, doesn't he? In fact, I would submit finance is the smallest part of what he brings. Business acumen and connections are the real wealth he brings. Most of the time, we're willing to sell out our relationship with God just to get the pennies. And God wants to give us the wisdom, the understanding, and the strategy to move forward. 
but it's not going to look like the world. I promise you, Isaac's out there in the field sowing. And what are the Philistines talking about Isaac at that point? You are a dingbat. Hold on to your grain. Wait for a better season. What they didn't know was rain was coming. Only God knows. And so if we're not going to be toothless wolves, we have to be sheep. And sheep are helpless unless the shepherd shows up. Those are your two options and too long. So the thing is, is Abraham increased, Isaac increased, Jacob increased. It got to the point. And then Joseph increase and Joseph was downloaded a business model that basically took his buddy Pharaoh to owning basically the entire world. Just like that. Why? Because he was planning for a famine in a time of abundance. See, Isaac was planning for abundance in a time of famine and he got the breakthrough. Anybody, you guys remember, is if you plan for the season that's coming, in this season, you will find abundance, but only God knows the season that's coming. Hmm. All right. Uh, I'll, I'll give you another example. You guys remember Lydia? Lydia, Paul was looking for somebody to partner with him in his business, and he, and he couldn't find anybody, so he went out to where the women were washing clothes, and he came across a lady by the name of Lydia. Now, Lydia didn't have to buy, wash her clothes. She was overseeing a huge operation because she was a dealer in the cloth purple. Now, if I remember right, it takes three million little mollusk shells to make one yard of purple. It was one of the most expensive commodities in the world, and only the emperor's household could buy it. So she had access to the emperor and access to massive amounts of wealth. And she was the one God said, yeah, I think she's going to be the anchor of this body. Oftentimes, I've heard this from business people. They feel like they have to choose either being God's missionary or being a business person. It's not either or. You are taking, man, let let me say this. A a manager of a Chick-fil-A has a bigger ministry than Masha and me. I mean, how many hundreds of people pass through their shop every single day? They have 40 employees or 50 or 60, 70, however many that, pay, that they pay to disciple every day for 40 hours a week. You guys only give us two or an hour and a half. What I want to submit is so often there's this lie that to follow God, there's this like ministerial course and that's the high and holy one, or there's a business one and I've sold my soul to the devil. Or not, or not, or not. I want to say, this is one of the reasons I'm I'm just slapping this thing so hard because I want you to know if you, some of you have refused to go into business because you thought it would dirty your hands. I've seen it. I've seen it. You're afraid, oh, I won't be able to handle the success, so I'll just stay poor. Or or it will distract me from God. Or it might empower you. Do you know tra- traditionally throughout history, the, 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 the pillars of revival have been business leaders. Uh, Charles Finney talks about one of the biggest um, uh, um, shipping uh, magnets um, in, in uh, I want to say Boston. 
And he would get up at four o'clock every morning to spend four hours in the word every day. John, um, uh, Luther put it this way. I have so much to do that if I don't pray four hours a day, I'll never get it all done. If you want God to be your partner, you've got to let him do the heavy lifting. You've got to let him do the thinking. You've got to let him giving you the, be the one giving you the strategy. Ooh. But I want to say is we build step by step, baby step to that faith. Because I've seen other people that are like, God told me to start this business. Have you ever done a business before? Nope. I got to raise $3 million of capital. And what is capital? I think it's like a big A versus a little A. The reality is God's calling you to something. He will give you baby steps to move in that direction. Now, I won't tell you the baby steps will still be scary. Anybody? But he will give you wisdom. He'll say, hey, why don't you go study this, this online course about this area? Why don't you do this? Why don't you do that? Why don't, and he'll give you stuff. Why don't you hang out with this person? Why don't you partner with this person? But I want to say this last piece, and I've watched this shoot more Christian businesses in the head, is beware the shortcut. And the shortcut it usually happens is what I call unequally yoked. Somebody comes, they have the, the finance or the wisdom. I would submit, Jill, if you partnered with Warren Buffett, God bless his ever-loving soul, you would be unequally yoked. Why? Because you are not on the same page with the kingdom. You're not on the same page about where this business is going to go. You're not. And so too often I've watched businesses get pulled off course because, oh, wow, this must be God. They came through the door with the money I need but I would say this, if you look at Jesus's temptations, the last temptation was so close, but off. Do you remember what the Satan tempted him with? He said, I know why you came. You can have all the nations just bow down and worship me. The last temptation usually is what looks so good, but is still far off. And so I would just say, business leaders, be warned to, of the shortcut because God has, there is a way. So, and in that, I would submit one of the best ways to guard your heart in that is read the book of Proverbs. Book of Proverbs is amazing. I read half of it this morning. It was an early morning. Um, and, and I was just shocked by how much of it applies to business, how much of it applies. But I want to submit to you, the book of Proverbs is a useless book without Holy Spirit. That book was written by one of the greatest businessmen in the world, Solomon, who gained all the world and lost his soul. Why? Because he knew the truth, but he was incapable of walking it out because he didn't lean. He leaned on his own understanding. Whew. All right. So that's a lot. What I want you to take away from this, though, is what was the, emission, the original mission to fill the earth? Has it changed? No. The goal of most churches is to gather. Ours is to go and to fill the earth. We, this is the goal. The goal is, I, I love it. The, the early Methodist said this, come, Terry, go. And it didn't mean like Terry say, come and then go. It meant come, stay a little bit, get what you need, fuel to go. Anybody here go and you hang out at gas stations for like days on end? We're a gas station. Come, fill up, go. Does that make sense? All right. Okay, so now what we want to do is, I want to just say this. I want to uh, lead us real quick. If you have believed any of these lies about business, 
we're just going to just cleanse those off, and then we're going to commission you guys to the mission of business. All right, just close your eyes. All right, I'm going to just say some lies, and if they strike your heart, like they feel true to you, but you know they're not, just, just say, God, I give you that, that lie, and then ask him to give you the truth in return. So God, we repent for believing that business is a second-class calling. Jesus, I repent for believing that I can't follow you and do business. Jesus, I repent for believing the lie that if you make me successful, I will turn away from you. Jesus, I repent for believing the lie that I can't do business. I receive the truth that you empower me to do all things through your blood, through your life. Jesus, I repent for believing the lie that somehow business is dirty, that making money, being wealthy is evil. Rather, I embrace the truth that you want to trust me with the amount of wealth I can handle and steward for your glory to, bring, to expand the kingdom to cover the entire earth. Lord, I thank you for the people in this body that you have called to business. And if we're not called to business, because there are many other callings, we bless each one of them to be powerful, to find the partners you have for them, to find the, to, the, to listen to you, find the strategies to, to follow you faithfully, and then to take their seed, not eat it, but invest it and bring it again and again and again to expand the earth, expand your glory to cover the earth in your beautiful name. Amen.